to the channel, guys. We're talking movies yet again. Victor, unfortunately, can't be with us today. Um, busy, busy guy. But Chase is still here. That's good. Yes, sir. We also bring another guest star. Welcome to the show, Joe Mason. Joe's in the show! What up, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were, we're very excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Joe, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, yeah, no problem. My name is Joe Mason. I'm a filmmaker based out of Seattle. I've uh, been working in films professionally now for probably a few years on various sets, and uh, I've uh, worked with Chase and Nick. Um, I also have my own short film called Tears, Love, and Death uh, that Nick and Chase were heavily a part of. Um, we shot it last summer. But uh, we've had delays because of COVID and everything with the editing process. But uh, right now we're back on track and uh, it's coming along really great. I'm excited to show it to the world and uh, happy to be on this podcast. You know, I'm a guy who loves movies, you know, so life's passion, telling stories. And uh, what better way to do it than discuss it with you two guys? You are just the man we are looking for. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, Joe, what, uh, what, uh, uh, what movies did you choose for us this week? Yes. Uh, I chose for you two, uh, two of my favorite movies I've seen recently. Uh, the first one being Nightcrawler, which I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen until just the last few months. And uh, A Ghost Story, which is one of the most strange but also intriguing movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, two very good favorites uh, for college students like us. Mm-hmm. Definitely, uh, I don't think uh, A Ghost Story is not for the average consumer, but I encourage everyone to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, we'll we'll get into that shortly, but I'll just say, like, I remember thinking very clearly, uh, oh, this movie, movie, my college friends like this movie, so that means I might hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. Which one we would talk first? Um, uh, up to you, Joe. Why don't you choose? All right. Um, let's go with Nightcrawler first. I'm okay. curious what you guys have to say about it. Right, Nick, why don't you give us a, a your little uh, your little synopsis, plot synopsis? Let's get the rundown going. Nightcrawler from 2014. The film centers on Lil Bloom, all around scum of the earth who prides himself on hard work. One night he finds his calling after observing a camera crew filming a car crash rescue. From there, he prowls the night around Los Angeles, filming all the despicable crime occurring in the city and selling it to the highest bidder, i.e., news stations. Sometimes even going to deplorable extremes to be the best in his field. That's great. That's a great. Mm -hmm. That's a great description, Nick. I love that you just straight up called him scum of the earth. Just said it how it was. Well, yeah, he's he's fucking terrible. (laughs) He's a psychopath. He's he's a freaking psychopath. See, actually, I kind of want to address that too as we discuss that movie. Mm Hmm. Yeah. The uh, the big draw with this film. There's this one had. I remember this being quite hyped around the time. This came out. I mean, 2014. Let's be honest, was a pretty banging year for films. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. pretty sweet. <laughs> On top of being my cinematic awakening, when I decided, oh, I wanted, I want to do movies. The movies are going to be my future. Yeah, you had so many films coming out that year, especially around award season. This one should have been raking in award nominations, but strangely got snubbed in a lot of areas. Which is criminal, by the way, for Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. being snubbed for an Oscar. Absolutely criminal. Pretty freaking criminal. And let's talk Jake Gyllenhaal. He's definitely the main draw of the film. This guy 
man oh man you ever see a more committed role please point him out to me this guy does wonders in the role yeah yeah uh, he, yeah. yeah pretty brilliant right down to the shriveled bony physical look he's got going on you know i i did some research on that too and uh apparently what he did to uh, drop i think it was over 30 pounds like 35 exactly Apparently what Joan Hall did was eat nothing but kale salads every day for like three months and worked out eight hours a day to just basically mm-hmm. make himself look like that. And the purpose was because his character in a sense was like a coyote, like, you know, preying upon something. Yeah. And he wanted to physically embody that of being the coyote. Yeah, scavenger. Mm-hmm. That that's, That is quite the comparison there. This guy really does lurch off everyone else taking big bites out of whatever they're doing for as clunky as that sounds that totally embodies him he's freaking amazing he does so many things right in this movie his diction his voice patterns his mannerisms this guy is he's just a different person those damn creepy big ass eyes he's got in this Mm -hmm. movie man they just stare you down he just plainly stands around in the most unsettling and ordinary way it's crazy man yeah his uh his cadence when he talks like especially when he's trying to like convince someone of something or when he's when he's selling something is uh is is crazy he he's like such a good salesman but he's Mm. a psychopath so it's like he's uh uh i don't know if the correct term is psychopath i think it's closer to sociopath but yeah uh yeah, it's it's his sociopathic tendencies make him like invincible in a discussion. So like except for the only time where he loses, I think in like a in like a conversation is the beginning when he's talking about getting a job. Um and then uh, he's talking to yeah. he had just he had just uh, cut a bunch of of uh fence fencing and uh, he was taking it yeah. to this construction uh site construction. and it was like, "Hey, I can yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like I will uh you know, I will give you, uh, you know, I'll I'll give you this much stuff and uh, I'll take, you know, this amount of money. And then uh, he wanted more money. And the guy was like, no, 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 blah, blah. And then he asked for a job. Foreman saw right through him. Yeah. And the then. Foreman saw right yep. through him. And then the. Uh, hiring a fucking thief. Yeah. And he said, I'm not hiring a fucking thief. And he's like, he like smiles at him because he knew he got fucking caught. So he's like, all right, I'm just going to. He knows. He knows when he's lost, though. So I think that's the part. Yeah, yeah. That's the part of the movie that's so interesting for me is that obviously this dude knows when he's lost. So he is going the limits this whole time, not losing. So he's, he's in control of the movie the entire time. And it's, it's it's terrifying, really. (laughs) It's terrifying, but also strangely gratifying the movie, the movie and the script also, that does a pretty amazing job of getting you to kind of root for this evil character in a way, because mm-hmm. it really sets him up as he's a man of drive. He sets goals for himself and he just wants to be the best. Even yeah. if that means doing some really messed up stuff along the way. So you're kind of pulling for him in this, in this CD underworld of night crawling videography. Yeah. And it's very interesting stuff. You know, and I would say too, uh, one of the uh, most interesting things that uh, I noticed when I watched this movie the first time was um, 
this is this character has something that you almost never see and usually defies the laws of screenwriting, but it works here. And that's that he has absolutely no arc at all. He starts mm-hmm. off the movie as this, you know, sociopath who uh, will do what he needs to to get what he wants, no matter the cost. And he ends the movie as a sociopath who will do whatever he needs to get what he wants, no matter the cost. The only and difference is, yeah, his uh, he actually comes out on top, which is interesting yeah. to me, because this is not the kind of person you want to have come out on top. Like, clearly, he's not a good person. And uh, I just find that extremely interesting. Like, not only is he a terrible person, everything goes his way. He doesn't change at all. And it's just, but it works. And that's not supposed to work in screenwriting. So I, I it's, well, and I think a lot of that's due this, to him. Sure. But also I think what counteracts that is there's plenty of stories with central characters that don't change by the end, but the trade-off for that is the world around them changes. Mm-hmm. If you can feel his influence rub off on other people, it's this Mina, Rene Rousseau's character who also does an amazing performance. By the end, she's changed because of Lou's ways. She's almost infected by his presence and by what he stands for in their relationship, their working relationship, and the world they inhabit. So it still works, the non-arc of Lou, because he's influencing the world around him to change, conform to his sensibilities and his ways. Yeah, I totally agree with all that. Yeah, speaking of Rene Rousseau, like the rest of the cast should not go unnoticed either she does a fantastic performance riz ahmed does a great performance mm-hmm. bill paxton god rest his soul very enjoyable performance man bro, seeing him in there too i didn't know he was in this movie so i was like oh man just forget what a good actor he was so underrated taken away way too soon guy hudson yeah. from aliens twister fucking terminator no the hatfields and mccoys and everything it's just Mighty Dude's good. Mighty Joe Young remake, even. Yeah, he's so it's so great. Also, speaking of Renee uh, Russo's character, can we just say how she fucking predicted twenty twenty in that movie in the newsroom? How when after he uh, fails after uh, Joan Hall's character Bloom forgets to uh, or fails, I should say, to uh, get her the footage she wants, I believe, of the plane crash, and uh, he's like, "I have the stabbing in Corona though," and then she goes off the rails and says. I don't give a goddamn about fucking Corona. And I was like, holy shit, this movie predicted the future. <laughs> well, <laughs> in a way, maybe. Just a little bit. Sure, but if we're comparing it to real life, I think there's a really great commentary going on. On journalism? Journalism, yeah, because uh, I feel the med- like journalism, they're trying to tell on it, they're telling honest news, but it still feels manufactured much like any Hollywood movie. Because there's that pivotal scene going into the third act where he presents the footage of the home invasion and they air it on the news. And you just see the and you see the news story play out in real time as Rene Russo and all the uh, studio team are directing the anchors to say what needs to be said. So the story can punch for the viewers and that kind of stuff. By that point, my heart was kind of racing. It was so gritty and really ominous sounding oh yeah the last 25 minutes of this movie gave me an anxiety attack the last 30 minutes i was gonna say yeah. last last 30 minutes are just incredible the way it ramps up the tension i didn't want to blink because it was so intense there's a good commentary going on that the news 
for all of its honest journalism they're trying to practice, it's still there's still that tinge of manufacturism just so that they can get a rise out of the viewer and really sell the attention of the story. Yeah, I uh, I was during that the scene where they're directing the anchors. Um, yeah. I kind of was like a little. I was a little stressed because I was like, how the fuck are these anchors able to talk when someone's screaming in their ear and like be able to like process everything that they're saying? Like that's so that's that's bizarre to me is that that out of everything that happened, that was the weirdest part for me. I was like, how the fuck are these guys able to talk? Uh, training. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. That's how they do it, man. I've been inside a newsroom before. That's exactly how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, even the anchors give great performances. Those mm-hmm. guys and those those two alone in that scene did a great job. And also, props to the guy who casted the cops in this movie. These are some of the most hard ass cops I've seen in a film ever. Are you yeah. talking about the they two detectives? Really Not the detectives, just the beat cops. Or like telling them to get the fuck out of the way. In this movie. Yeah, oh, okay. feet back across the line. I mean, yeah, it was a pretty good depiction. You know, I've never heard of <laughs> yeah. Stringers before. I saw this movie, so. But now that, like, after I see it, it makes sense. Like, because I have remembered watching news reports, like, not now, because not many people still watch news. But, uh, you know, and they show video on the screen. And I was like, I was wondering, I just thought they sent a newsroom. But it almost makes me wonder, like, now next time I drive by, like, a big accent scene or something, to keep an eye out for that stringer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember clearly, I talked was talking with Ryan about this at the time this movie came. We still joke about this every so often, but... <laughs> The second I watched this movie, I wanted to go out and do this shit. Just like, let's go night crawling. Just get the cameras. And stuff. Wait till two. You know what, Nick? If there's someone who I can picture being actually sneaky enough to do it and not get pushed away by cops, it probably would be you. <laughs> Maybe I would need. I need someone bigger to be a decoy. Then I could just slip past everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and also, God, this movie looks great. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Of all the funny. movies that show off Los Angeles culture and just the nightlife of LA just this movie is top five it looks amazing yeah you know I've never been to LA before but um I've, you know there's a, so many movies that depict it and uh I s- swear it never seems like any of them are really that accurate or even you know you know there's never consistency like but this movie showed us the grittiness of LA the downbeat neighborhoods Joan Hall even mentions that a few times in the movie and uh it just really shows you how the inner city works and like it would make sense too, like how you can get away with being a stringer because it kind of looks like a lot of the city's a mess, to be honest. You know, the fact that newsroom yeah. is willing to show this footage of dead bodies and stuff on air, it just makes me yeah. think I'm like, is this what the culture of LA is really like? Or, but well, yeah, I I I think the uh, I think the newsroom aspect of that is that they. Uh, that those were like the lowest rated. It was that was like the lowest rated uh, news. Yeah, channel. they were like yes. the graveyard shift. Yeah, and so I think they're like fuck it, anything that gets people watching. And then they're by the end of it because of Lou, because of the fucked up things he did, they were like thriving. And so it's like mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see. It kind of gives in, into perspective this whole uh, okay, if something benefited us and and helped us. But it was by doing something terrible, uh, was it worth it? Type thing, you know what I mean? And most of the time, it's no. But like in other cases, uh, that using this example, or not necessarily Nightcrawler as an example, but using that whole terribleness led into like blissfulness or something. 
most of the time it's no, but you know, sometimes it's, it's harder to think about, you know? And so I think, I think that gives it a nice, uh, a nice little perspective of, uh, you know, yeah. Sure. Uh, but getting back to the sitting real quick, the reason why it's so effective, the location feels like a character itself and it's really immersive. This is one of the few LA shot movies that I actually feel like this is a tangible place I could go and I could feel like I'm there watching the screen. Something as simple as seeing Gyllenhaal sit by a tree on Venice Beach or just the opening title sequence showing the landmarks of Los Angeles. You'd see the Capitol Records building, the U.S. Bank Tower, or the Hollywood sign in the distance. It You feel like you're there, and it's really well done. Yeah, Yeah, and if um, I'm not mistaken, I believe this was – um, I can't remember the director's name, but I believe this was his uh, feature film debut. Dan Gilroy. Yeah. Dan Gilroy? <clears throat> yeah, uh, so – Dan Gilroy. Gilroy. Going to, actually, also, now that I mentioned the grit factor, this movie – I think this movie has the grit level of a lot of 70s urban crime thrillers. You just, you're just locked into the underworld of this whole side of Los Angeles. And it's so mean and hard-edged, hard-boiled, down and dirty. It's, it's fantastic viewing. This is why I love a lot of the 70s movies for that factor. And this movie captures that really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even, how they, even something like how they handle action movie. it's not an action movie but they have action they have dedicated sequences where action happens. yeah like the car chase like is fucking sweet the final car chase oh that's one of the best action. i've ever seen though, it's man. so good yeah yeah the shootout before that even even parts when blue is filming they feel they feel they have the pace of most action scenes or they have they have the feel and the pace of such sequences yeah because he's running around he's getting a whole bunch of different shots the camera never stops rolling and he's just moving through these houses the best the best part of that is definitely when he spots the home invasion in the hills and he's just going through the house you're cutting back and forth between lou moving through the house and his buddy rick uh watching out for cops or any other strangers walking by Mm -hmm. it's so tense you just hoping he doesn't get caught and gets all what he needs it's crazy how that happens like that yeah, yeah uh, i totally agree with all that too and uh i think the uh thing that really stood out to me is that the camera is almost like in a way uh bloom's eyes in the movie like that's his viewpoint yes. so whenever we see it like i remember there's a specific scene where um he's talking with uh Renee Russo's character in the newsroom after dropping off a tape. And he says, I've been working on framing and, you know, goes into this big, long description. That basically, to me, almost translated to this is how he sees the world. So, like, when you see that screen, all that stuff, that's what he thinks is normal. Like, he thinks it's fine. And he says, oh, this is all great. I'm going to exploit it. And it's, you know, I think that was an interesting way. Because, like, we all know, like, in slasher movies, the, you know, cliche of, uh, the POV from the killer. The POV but this way it's done. Like you really get to see like it almost gives you a look inside his mind, but it's su- done in such a subtle way. You kind of actually got to pay attention to pick up on it. But it's to yeah. me, that's just great filmmaking and great directing and great acting on Joan Hall's part, because you can tell oh, yeah. that camera is a part of him. Absolutely. And you, and you kind of, you definitely see it in his performance, just the joy and the exuberance he gets from getting the right frame. It almost looks like he kind of gets off on it a bit. 
a bit, yeah. When he, uh, the part where he films the motorcycle accident mm, and, moves, and the he body. moves the body yeah. in front of the car, you could just see the excitement on him. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this is what he wants. This is exactly what he wants. And how manic he gets rushing through a scene. Again, the aforementioned home invasion scene. Mm-hmm. He's just always on the move, never stops. Yeah. Cra- it's crazy. And that's, and that's kind of a good, an, almost a fairly accurate look at the addiction of using the camera. Just what, yeah. what can I do with it? I'll just just go run here and see what I can do with this yeah, camera, exactly. with this device. Yeah, it's it's a fucking shame that that Jake Gyllenhaal hasn't been nominated for anything since uh, since Brokeback Mountain. Like, yeah, this movie really should have gotten him the award. I mean, he got nominated for a Golden Globe for this, but he didn't win. And also, all the other shit that he's done. I mean, like Prisoners, uh, Enemy, yeah, Prisoners, exactly. Yeah. None of those. I mean, I mean, Prisoners and Enemy alone. It's just like. Like that's that one. Th- both of those were crazy. This was personally, I think this is Jake Gyllenhaal's best performance. But oh, yeah. I, oh, I still, it's fucking insane that he hasn't that he he still hasn't been nominated for anything since then. It's you know why? Because that- I think it's just the Academy likes to go with the more mainstream person, the bigger name, because it draws in more viewers. And uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's big, but I would still consider he's very underrated by a lot of audience met people. So I feel like yeah, that's a reason. Because think about Joaquin just, Phoenix is an amazing actor, but he's definitely not mainstream. Like he's extremely unorthodox. But yeah. it took but he's amazing. And it took him oh man, how long has he been acting now? Three decades. He should have had an Oscar twice already. Finally got one. And I think the only reason he even got it was yes, he deserved it, but because it was attached to Joker. And that's a mainstream name. So I think that's personally why Jalen Hall has yet to be nominated or receive one. Jalen Hall is just one of those names. Uh, one who has yet to win an award. We've seen it before. DiCaprio has been in that mm-hmm. club for a long time. Gary Oldman just got out of that club lately. Yeah. And there's still a bunch more actors that deserve awards but haven't gotten them yet. No, I think uh, I, I think um, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt got his first one. Last uh, second exactly. one. It's a second, second one. one. Well, yeah, first one for acting. acting. It's, yes, it's exactly. Acting That's. Yeah. I mean, what was the other one for? Was it for directing? I think it was for producing. Because Brad oh. Pitt's never directed. Oh, so he was what? It was probably for what producing. Uh, uh, I think it was Twelve, 12 Years, years a Slave. Oh, oh, that's right. He was in that, and he was the only like he was like the only good white person in that fucking movie. Pretty much, oh, yeah. Relatively, <laughs> relatively, <laughs> mostly, unless you count Benedict Cumberbatch, who was the least abusive slave owner yeah exactly yeah. It's no I, don't, slave owner. I haven't watched that movie since it came out it's a good movie but uh it's hard to watch yeah it's hard to watch and also it's just those award movies they're almost good for one purpose catching up on the oscars show and Pretty then you much. never touch them again well i think i think 12 years a slave is is really is is very uh is a very necessary movie for everyone to watch, especially oh, especially, especially in this climate in, right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it's it's for the Oscars. I would I would go more of saying that it's it was done at the right time, and I think ever since Twelve Years a Slave, the uh, the Oscars have been like like uh like last year with um maybe not was it last year? Did Green Book win last year? Two years ago. Two years ago, so 
for some fucking reason, Green Book won Best Picture, which it absolutely should that not was. have. They should have no. given the Oscar to uh, Black Klansman. La La Land. La La oh, Land was, the, was the year before that. I think it was the, the but, same year. Wasn't it? Nope. No, La La Land oh, came out a lot of years after La La Land. La La Land. Was the year with uh, Moonlight. That's and right. Moonlight got absolutely should have won that. And yeah. that was Moonlight was very much deserving because Moonlight is one of the most emotionally like powerful movies that I have ever seen. I always tell people if you really want to know like an experience, just not only being a man of color, but being someone who struggles like with homosexuality, because someone like us, like. We don't really understand, but yeah, we, we sympathize. Yeah, we're but, straight white men. Like, yeah, we, that we, movie, have, we have no idea. Yeah. It shows like, us a whole new world. Like, exactly. And it's, it's hard to watch, too. Like, same thing, because it's like you don't want to accept this is real, but it is real. But it's yeah. one of those movies that I think, especially, you know, in the political climate, everything we have today, I think it was extremely important to have because the world's never going to move forward. People just don't watch the hard truth. Yeah. So, movies like yeah. that definitely need to be made more often. Yeah, and then also, I, I, I think that's a good a good loop around for for Nightcrawler too, which is like, people don't want to admit the hard truth, but or they don't want to accept it. But looking at news stations too, news stations do purposefully show fucked up shit so yeah. that people will watch them, regardless of who it fucks over. Yeah. They will, they will do that. Not ev- not every single mm-hmm. one, but. There is nuisance out there that are like, oh, this is controversial. This is going to get people talking, so let's show it, even though it might not be true. You know what I mean? Yeah, the modern-day version is TMZ. Yeah, exactly. TMZ or fucking Fox News or something like that, you know? You know, I'd say Nightcrawler, I've seen a few movies on journalism reporting. Nightcrawler is by far the best commentary I've ever seen done on the, uh, like what I said earlier, the coyote nature of journalism and how it will expose the truth through its own personal gain. And morality yeah. is always out the window. And I think that shows yeah. the kind of world we're in today where Nightcrawler shows people don't care how fucked up something is. If it brings in attention and it's something to talk about, they'll do it. And they don't care what it exposes or anything. And I think that yeah. shows because today we are always so flooded by so much news. And you never know what's real, and what's not half the time now. Um, Because it's so much, and we get a chance to see just how far these people go to actually do it. And uh, I think Nightcrawler just did it in the most genius way. You know, Lewis is essentially Mm -hmm. journalism if it was a human being. Exactly, doing doing what it takes, regardless of who it fucks over in the end, to get people talking, get people paying attention to them. You know, yeah, we should coming out out on top. It certainly does paint a very stark picture and a very eye-opening picture in some regard to that so yeah, yeah it does its job very well it works much differently than a typical journalism journalism procedural would work for instance all the president's men are spotlights it's it's just a different flavor but it works yeah. equally as well the flip side of the coin mm-hmm, exactly but yeah i mean there's i i think this is this is one of those movies where i don't think anyone can sit and be like uh, I didn't really like it. <laughs> like no. I think, I think it's one of those things where everyone's like, "No, it's fucking fantastic." And yeah, it's, man. Like it, it's, this movie is, this film is impossible to hate. Yeah, from it it is. you know, everyone I've talked to, everyone I've talked to that's watched this movie, they loved it. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's it's super super good. <laughs> I still remember when I uh, I posted a picture of the title card uh, on my Instagram story, and I was like, first time watching." 
I swear at least 18 people sent it back to me, all saying, what the fuck took you so long to see this? To those people, I will tell you, I just simply fucked up, and I regret not seeing it in 2014. Yeah, uh, man, it's great. It's the music, also, the acting, cinematography, writing, everything. That's too, that also, too, yeah. James Newton Howard, he, too, is really underrated in his field. He's a pretty damn good composer. In every movie he does, he makes a really engaging score. Yes. Yeah, the bad. score was think, really good. I think for me, the favorite part of the score is when uh, when Lewis is doing something terrible, like moving the body to get a good shot. Anyone, normal person would see this, that's fucked up. But the music plays off like it's victorious for him. Like, yes, exactly. man. Like, he's moving forward. And it's just like, makes you feel a little dirty for watching along with it. But yeah, there's also the uh, there's also the montage where it shows his rising success as a nightcrawler. And it's mm-hmm. very, very intense, fast paced kind of some kind of rock sounding sound yeah some kind of rock sound and it's 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 really intense yeah it's funny because it's that scene almost in a way at least the way i interpreted it was uh it just shows how much of a parasite stringers are because you see all the files he's going through it almost spreads you know Mm -hmm. like a disease or something uh which is kind of unsettling really it's also what the school what the music does really it does a good job of showing the opposite reaction to what's on screen it, it works again it's the, it's yin and yang with the visuals the visuals could show something really dark and disturbing but the music plays up the victorious nature of the situation on the flip side the movie can show something very i guess in a way uplifting i mean the for instance like the rise of lou's success he's starting to get a lot of he's selling a lot of clips and he's starting to build a portfolio for himself but the music is reflecting it really darkly because he's he's filming a lot of this a lot of crime a lot of people dying a lot of people getting injured and some and given his nature already he's probably doing things to manipulate it as such so it's just a dark it's just a descent into the darker into his darker side his already dark side I don't think I have anything else to say about this. Oh, I, mean, I definitely have some stuff else to say. Nodding. Yeah, yeah. Go. They're for nodding. It. I just can't. I I just can't see. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, all... Nick. Good, good, good point. Yeah, there. that's, that's a know. good point. Cool story, yeah. bro. Actually, there is something I've been dying to discuss. Yeah. Why yeah. the hell didn't Rick quit after day one? Like how yeah. desperate? I know he was desperate, man. But uh, if that's my it. boss He's did just... that, like day one. Almost getting me killed and, you know, yelling at me. I'd be like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to find another job. Because he's only making $30 a night. Well, it's like I said, he's desperate. He's fresh out of high school. He doesn't have direction in his life. He's look, he's looking for purpose. I guess, also, man, but... But Riz Ahmed, he really does a great job. Oh, he's, this is probably my favorite he, movie I've ever seen him in. He's very, you just, you just want to throw this guy a bone. <laughs> I felt so getting, bad for him. He's getting thrown so much shit throughout the movie. And then when he finally works up some balls to talk, talk down, he gets, he freaking gets killed. Yeah, yeah. it literally backfired. <laughs> it backfired. Bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you guys to catch on to that. <laughs> uh, I'm quick like that. Quick draw but, um, McCann. They don't, they don't actually call me that, but hey. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I... I uh... it's, just, it's just a... 
Uh, there's one more thing I need to discuss myself. I have this theory I play with every so often. Uh, this could almost be a modern vampire movie because Lou is a creature of the night. He prays at night and he infects others around him, in which case Nina. He basically he warps Nina to start thinking like him. It basically turns him into a bride. And the fact, and Nina sounds a lot like Mina, who was in the original Dracula book. Lou is a vampire. Swap the camera for a pair of fangs, and he's still sucking things dry. You know what's interesting, too, about that comparison, Nick? The original Dracula book was written in, like, the style of journalism. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The, the, whole, the narrative was all letters to and from characters. Yeah, so that's actually a really... I never thought about that, but that's a good analogy, man. I'm not... I'm, I'm really not one to do film theory or make speculation but it's a thought that i just thought about one day and just kind of humored me for a while and every time i think about it with every new watch i find new details to support such a theory so it's kind of my own little uh corner of my thoughts that i play around with it's kind of fun yeah i like doing that stuff too i like it, so, yeah. I like it. overall thoughts I'll, I'll on take, I'll take it. what's your guys's overall yeah. thoughts on the movie then overall Okay, it sounds like we're gonna go to ratings. Yeah, why don't you? Yeah, you start us off, Nick. I'll start it off. Uh, the whole time I've watched this movie in the six years it's been released, it's been sitting at a four and a half. But I think I'll just go a full five. I can't find much flaw in this movie. It's perfect score, a plus, hundred percent. It's a just a great all around thriller. Interesting social commentary. It's a great story feels wholly original in how it portrays a different side of journalism. It's led on with a very engaging, very sociopathic, but also kind of empathetic lead character that infects the world around him. And it's reflected amazingly through the filmmaking. There it is. There you go. I like it. Um, well, I guess I'll, I'll go. Um, I, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to give this uh I'm going to give this a, uh, hmm. Think long and think hard. No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm juggling between, I'm juggling between four and four and a half. But okay. I think I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it four Oscar snubs out of five. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, there's nothing there's there's nothing literally nothing wrong with this movie I can think of. Um I love every I love every bit of it and uh I think the uh the uh, I think the performance alone from Jake Gyllenhaal is is enough to is enough to to sell someone on this movie. Um and I think also the the fact that you know he's doing these crazy ass stuff is uh it's really exciting to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd give it a four Oscar snubs out of five. Nice. There you go. Uh, yeah. There you go. For me, um, you know, these kind of movies are right up my alley. So I really had to think hard because um, every time I watch a movie, I always try to, you know, pick every aspect. And most of the time, I can find something wrong. But, uh, you know, I thought long and hard about this movie. And, I just couldn't find anything, you know? Everything works with it. It all goes together, every last aspect. You know, the performance is amazing. The writing is outstanding. The camera work is outstanding. The music is great. The uh, sound mixing is all great. So, 
you know, I say I give it a solid. Uh, I give it a solid uh, five dead ricks out of five dead ricks. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I think I think oh, that's pretty. Oh, geez, I Rick, think... you got shot, man. He's oh, Rick. Is he dead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 40, 40, he's he's dead 40, already. Forty, forty. Yeah. When Nina goes, you filmed your dead partner. He's like, I did. She's like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's fully, she's fully changed at that point. She broke um, bad. Yeah, man. But yeah, I, uh, I think, I think everyone, like I said, feel, feels the same way. They're just like, this is, this is fucking great. Like, <laughs> this is a great movie. It's, it's yeah, done super well. So there were. There was an audience singing its praises when no one else would back in the day, and there's still people screaming to the heavens how amazing this film is. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I love it. this. Is a this, it's just a great watch. Whenever I boot it up, just something to really plant yourself and get immersed in for a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. and I've been waiting to finally have an in-depth discussion with someone about it too, where I didn't have to just constantly type like over text. So this was yeah. like a big yeah, release, finally getting to you know say it all. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm real glad. With that said, let's move on to our next movie. Ah, ghost story. Ah, ghost. One ghost. Ah. Story. One ghost story. There could be another ghost story. There could be multiple ghost stories, but we just got the one. In fact, story. there there is a side. There is a little a, a a little a little side ghost. Yeah, maybe there is. Yeah. There is a little side ghost. A little, a uh, little mo- one of the most depressing things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's recap it here. So, a ghost story. After his untimely death, a man resurrects as a Charlie Brown Halloween ghost and returns to his dwelling. He sits lonely in death, observing the mourning of his former wife and all that happens in the place he once called home. Beautiful, short and sweet. That's pretty much. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much it, because there is no real plot to it. I mean, there is there is a plot. There is a. There is a goal, but yeah. it feels kind of secondary. It's simple it's storytelling more... at its best, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's your typical art house experimental type deal that you're gonna say what the hell probably at least twenty times throughout the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably had that during a uh, six minute scene of someone eating a pecan pie. Okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about that right now. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'm. I understand. I, I I have a lot to talk about this movie. I did not enjoy it as much as I wanted to. I'll just start off mm. in that. Um, yeah. But I uh, I understand. I understand what they're going for. I absolutely understand what the whole team and uh, you know, fucking David Lowry. I under, I understand what he was going for. I really do. He was going for. He wanted to show the true the true face of of depression and mourning and loss and something like that would actually happen it would be yeah. mundane it wouldn't be exciting it would be slow and sad and depressing but better <laughs> way of doing it i feel like this I feel like this do you know how hard i had to restrain laughter during that part i skipped the, I, was... I skipped through it i'm not even going to fucking lie i skipped through it Wow. Okay. You know what? Gonna, Dude. I sat this and was watching a three minute. I was like, okay, what the f- I'm not in the anymore. I'm like, I'm watching this lady eat pie. And I'm like, okay, I skipped ahead. And I'm like, three minutes of this shit before she throws up? 
Like, come on. I was like, I guess I, I, I mean, and I, and I get it. It's the sad, it's the sad, depress, depressive eating state. I, I've been there. That is the most aggressive eating I, I've ever I, seen in any film. I get it. I really get it. And then I just think that I feel like this movie could have been 15 minutes long and we would have gotten probably got yeah. out of it, you know? You know, honestly, I think this answers the whole debate of Rooney Mara's hot, but is she hot enough to sit through an entire giant take of her eating a whole pie? <laughs> you know what? I sat through that whole scene of her eating the pie, so yes. So did I, but I, I, was, I was really trying not to laugh. Well, this was me as the scene was like, going on. I was like, okay, this is a pretty good depiction of grief, man. And I was like, yeah, eating yeah. the pie. I expect it to go on for 30 seconds. Gets to one exactly. minute, I'm like, okay, you know, exactly. yeah, she's got to still eat it. Gets to three minutes, I was like, okay, you know, I guess it's about to end here, you know. She's honestly sad. This is getting me. Five minutes in, I'm like, holy fucking shit, how long are they going to last on this pod? Yeah. Six and a That's half minutes in, finally, we, she finally goes to what? I believe it was go throw up the pie. That's what Nick said. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I was like, holy. I, the movie, I have to admit, because I love the movie, but it did almost lose me there because – I don't get the decision to sit on that for six minutes because the difference is people who saw this in theater on Netflix, you could just see the time code. How long is this scene going to go by on? Imagine yeah, you're sitting is. in your theater. You are probably just pulling your hair going, how fucking long is she going to eat this pie? Well, so and it, see, I, <laughs> I feel, I feel like I disagree with that because I feel like if I was in a theater, I would be 100% into this. Like if this was a, a, you know, I'm in a theater, especially with the four by four um, or four by three aspect ratio in a completely black room on a giant screen with nothing around you. You can't see anything. I would be 100% into it. But the fact that I, I wasn't in that type of environment, I just, I couldn't, I agree get, with you. Yeah. I couldn't get, I couldn't get into it. I mean, I watched it. I watched it in my, in my living room where I have like an, you know, I have good sound. I have a good uh, TV and everything, but I just, I still, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, oh, oh my God, I can't fucking do this. And then uh, I, there, this movie was, okay, for my taste, this movie was, I understood it up until a point. And then the, I mean, the Pisces was just the beginning. I, I got back into it after that. But then after a point, I, I was I completely gone. Yeah. The movie started asking a lot of high concept questions. They were clearly outside the budget range, and they were getting really experimental. Yeah, this movie this... Uh, did not have a big budget. I believe it was only a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, a hundred grand. But why? It, why it, do you? Why do you think so much money? Think? Because there's nothing, there's nothing to. They don't need the money because nothing is going on. <laughs> like, well, I think you nothing, know. I, why do you? It think was purposely done much? like that, though. Like, because for me, this movie was there is super little dialogue in this movie. Oh, but yeah. I thought it worked because it's at the end of the day, movies are a visual art form. Like dialogue, yeah. a movie can really, I mean, Chase, you, me and Nick all know this because we did yeah, it, yeah. but a movie can go without dialogue and it's a visual storytelling. And for me, even though, yes, the movie can get boring at times and yeah. uh, the Pisces definitely went on too long, I still felt invested because I'm watching Casey Affleck with a fucking bed sheet over him and. I'm invested because I still know what's yeah. going through this ghost is mine. And I understand. Exactly. Yeah. So I disagree with you guys a bit, but I also totally understand this is a very art house movie and yeah. it's not for everyone. You have to really no, be I, in the right I, mindset. Yeah. I definitely, what? I definitely like, 
I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking shit about it, but I'm, I'm poking at it, but I really like, th- I really enjoyed this, but I mm-hmm. didn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to because everyone, you know, everyone talks like this is, this is such a fantastic movie and I, it, it, oh, yeah. it's very good. Like it, there's no, there's no denying that's very good, but this is not a average consumer movie. This is oh, not God, one no. of those like, oh yeah, we'll just play it at, you know, uh, Regal, uh, fucking Northgate. Like it's no, that's not. It's, it's not going to be one. They of those would movies. lose ticket sales. Yeah, it's gonna. This is definitely a Sif Uptown. Exactly, exactly. Sif Uptown or the Egyptian or something like that. Like it's yeah, it's not. It's not a movie where you can just sit and like. It also isn't one of those things where you can like, oh, I'm just gonna throw it on in the background and do other stuff. It's like you have to be fu- fully invested to be able to yeah, follow this. Movie. I think to get. To get the full effect of the movie, you have to be 100% like invested in it. And I think the fact that I think the the, the I think it's good that the movie's only an hour and a half long. Uh, I think it's 90. Minutes, oh, thank God! But still, it's like this is a this is a movie that could have been made in 15 minutes. And yeah, I totally agree with that. I think what I love about this is that. You're depicting your this is I think this is one of the best depictions of of a ghost that in in a movie that I've seen ever because at least how I think of ghosts is that they're just there you know they're there they're having to live in this in this world without like without without doing anything and the fact that he was there the you know there's there's a scene where he, you know he's going through the life of this house um, after his wife leaves, um, his wife moves out, uh, and, and then, um, uh, a single mom moves in and then he haunts them and makes them move the fuck out. I thought that, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and then the, uh, I was gonna... and then the party people move in like, uh, but, and the, oh God, that fucking it, monologue. It God. that monologue. Okay. That, that was, that, that's another thing. That's the, that's when I really got, yep, me too. that's the most dialogue <laughs> in the whole movie too, is that scene. And I was also going to say, okay, there's very little dialogue in this movie, and 90% of it is mumbling. Is this what they call that mumblecore type deal? Because I don't like it when dramas like this, they just mumble to make it sound more Yeah, real. but with a movie but with KCF, just, like, you kind of got to expect that. Yeah, That's his he, whole he, acting he, style. He doesn't mumble a whole lot, even. Well, but He doesn't KCF, mumble a whole lot. He does it a lot. Yeah. Have you seen I'm, Manchester by the, the Sea, man? Yeah. That's again dramas like this. People just mumble their lines. Fine for the quote unquote realism of the situation, but also I can't hear you. Speak up, please. But you know, that's the I think for me, that's the genius of this movie is you don't need to hear them to follow what's going yeah, on. Exactly. Especially the ghost. You can and, yeah. and the thing that well, of course is, not a ghost. The thing that's blowing my mind about this is you can feel this emotion from a fucking sheet with eyes cut out. Yeah. Of it. You can feel exactly. emotion. Also, also, I just want to give like props to uh, to the, the the costume design for this because this costume of the ghost is fucking amazing. It's oh so God. it's so simple, but yeah, it only cost two dollars. It, it's it's so simple, but it's done in a way that like it's elegant still and feels it feels like it still feels kind of haunting, you know. It, I will give it that the fabric did have a nice texture to it. On you know, actually, film. going back off of both of you guys too, you both just mentioned something that I wanted to talk about. 
Chase, you mentioned how the ghost, you could see his emotions. You never see that in movies with ghosts. It's always, oh, they're these terrible things, you know, they'll curse you. Exactly. We get to see, no, in the afterlife, he still has to go on seeing. And I like how we actually get a reason why a ghost would throw dishes around in a house. He's upset. Like, he misses his girlfriend. Um, he, he misses his, you he know. Misses his wife. Yeah. His wife. Yeah. yeah, like, he's going through life, and now he's just questioning everything. And his sole purpose for that house now is just to try and get that little note she left him. And, you know, going off of the yeah. cloth, too, that cloth gets dirty as the movie goes on, just as, like, I know, you can I was, see how I the ghost, yeah, he's affected by all this. Like, yes, no exactly. one can see him, but he is still affected by what's going on around him. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I love the fact that uh, I I do love the fact that the sheet is the is the thing that they put over the body. I thought that was super super cool, and I love was clever. I love the fact that uh, I wasn't a fan. I I think this movie has a tendency to to linger on shots for too long. Um, for yeah, me, I agree for, with uh, that. For me, I would I would say, but one the the shot of where of where um, I don't think they have names, but M is the is the wife. The wife leaves, and yeah. um, she uh, she she walks down the hallway, and it's like 30, to, 30 seconds to a minute of just holding on his body, and you get this kind of it's kind of eerie a little bit, like a bit eerie, but also that same effect of okay, when's the editor gonna come in here? Exactly, exactly, and that's that is the thing I think that take took me out of it. Is that I'm like okay, when's the cut gonna happen, or when is something gonna happen? Because I think, yeah. I think the shot was like maybe a quarter shorter. I think it would, I think it would have been better for me. Um, for me, it's like yeah, like, uh, this isn't my yeah. fucking movie, so like you know. But I, I think that, uh, I think, um, I love the fact that he gets up and then, you know, that, that's his new body. Is that his body is in the sheet. And I love when he's walking around the hospital and he stands in front of the man in the wheelchair. And you're not sure mm-hmm. if the man can see him or not. And same thing. That, and the same thing happens yeah. with the little boy as well. Um, yeah. You, you're, you not the... sure, you're not sure if he can. Watch. That wasn't Ben Affleck under the bed sheet the whole time. Yeah, or, or fucking uh, uh, Casey Affleck. But yeah. Now, he didn't say what. Uh, Why did you say that name? So I don't think it was Ben Affleck. Casey yeah. Affleck, yeah. I got confused. You know what? And Affleck, like, what? What that? You know, Ben might have been the stunt double. You never know. You know what that hospital <laughs> scene kind of reminded me of a bit? Because he refuses to stay there and he refuses to walk towards the light, literally. Kind of reminded me of a Cartman from a South Park. How he always just, like, exits the room and goes, like, screw you guys. I'm going home. I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. I just got that whole vibe. But, yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, I do like how they actually literally showed him choosing to not go towards the light, too. Yeah, that was neat. Yeah, yeah. there are there are some neat concepts Absolutely. in here. If there are, there are some neat concepts going on for sure that I do dig. Yeah, I um, think I I think the I think the 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 ghost suicide scene was a little interesting. Um, the uh, where he jumps oh, off God. the top of the ghost jumps off the top of the uh, the the iteration of this. You could call it the. Yeah. You could call it the ghost time travel scene. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he goes through time. That was that was so weird. Now we're in the weird, it was, fucking it was, colonial times. It was fucking see, cool. Like I, I think I, I actually that scene in like in the scene after like till the end of the credits, I think that point is what really got me like I figured out what the movie's main like message was. And 
I think it's like the meaning of life. Because if you think about it, we get to see that house. What's been there all through these years? Oh, a girl was killed. People who live there don't fucking know. Oh, this guy was here. Those people don't know. And, you know, you just get to yeah. see the cycles, like the meaning of life. It's like, like, you don't even know, like, where you're sitting right now. Something probably might have happened. Like a dinosaur might have took a shit where you're sitting right <laughs> exactly. now. So it's just yeah. like, a me- nice. it's this crazy thing that really makes you think. And it's done so simply. But, you know, it, it kind of made me feel a little emotional for it, too. Granted, I wasn't yeah, 100% sober the first time I saw this. So I even experienced it a little bit more. Uh, and, you know, I wish I was hammered watching this. Uh, yeah, it's, like, I, it's just I, great. I do. There's there's so much that I love about this movie. Like there's a lot that I just adore about it. Like I think I think when I first finished it, I was like, I'm giving this movie a three, and I'm like, and I'm just like, oh, I I don't ever want to watch it again. And then I thought about it more, and I was like. I already want to sit and like watch it again. And the more that I think technically is like the more we talk about it, the more I want to like dive deeper into it. And it's like, as we're talking about it, my rating is getting higher. I think because there's just so much. Mm. It's so, I I do think the, the editing aspect of it is the major drawback for me. I don't mind. I was going (laughs) to the lack of dialogue, but the editing is a little, is the only thing that's 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 keeping me like uh keeping me from from giving this as highest praise as I can, you know. Yeah, I was going to ask you this movie had an editor and it but in really it didn't. It was the director that edited this movie. So oh, wow. I mean this it, this is a straight up independent film. There's nothing Hollywood about it. It's very experimental, yeah. yeah. Under, uh, you know, under, you know. Speaking of the uh, under half a million dollars. This is under a quarter of a million dollars. Like this is insane, yeah. you know. For, for people freaking... listening who don't really know, a hundred thousand dollars is not a lot for a feature film at all. No, what? what? Yeah, not not even not even. It's not a lot for for any movie. It's not a lot for anything, honestly. A hundred thousand yeah. dollars for us seems like a lot, but like you couldn't even buy a house with that. <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's the literally, that, there's literally that's cameras the that, that cost that much. Yeah, a camera setup, hundred thousand dollars right there. You know, I'm. I'm thinking what happened was is that majority of this movie went into went into to uh Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck. I'm I'm oh. and, and like catering and shit. Like it, it yeah. has to because you know I, oh, I yeah, can't they're only and even the, then they weren't around very well. I think there's like a total of four total locations in this whole movie, but ninety percent of the time it's at the house. It's at the house. And then and then mm. they film in the uh they film in the uh, the like, kind of like the pl- the prairie area, but it's obvious. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I dove into it just because I I you know, I I can think I can think logically as a, as a filmmaker. Like okay, so this hill that he has to walk by is you know right by these trees and this grasslands that are also where the colonials could be coming in. You know, or not the colonials, but like like the fucking uh, little house on the prairie people. The wild you know yeah the the wild west because yeah. they get killed by indians yeah 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 at a point. um and so like i uh yeah it's it's very obvious that the that the locations were like i don't know where they filmed this but it, it was very obvious that it was in the same like spot for the most part um but like this is this is done in in a way that it's it's so minimal but it just goes to show that like if you have an idea and even if it's some weird fucking idea 
like a dude wearing a sheet as a ghost and walking around and as long as you execute it right and you really like get the good performances in you get you take time to develop it like this movie all things considered is really fucking good for being yeah only a hundred thousand dollars and like regardless this could be a million dollar multi-million dollar movie and this would be a fantastic movie i think i think the higher the budget i think probably with such a low budget why do you think with such a low budget why do you think they have two minute long shots of someone taking out their garbage i'd say this way the best filmmakers can do the most with the least and uh i've never seen a single other of david lowry's projects but i this was still very impressive yeah david lowry's been keeping busy he did a he did robert redford's final leading role old man the gun and he also did Pete's Dragon for Disney, which I said in the last episode, one of my one of my favorite of the mm-hmm. live action Disney adaptations. It, it's not too bad. Good family fun. So yeah, he's he's coming up in the world. And he's doing and he's doing the Green Knight again for A twenty four. I'll take uh, if it ever comes if it ever comes out. Yeah. If it ever comes out. But yeah, he's coming up. I I don't doubt his talent as a director. I was gonna say the technical side interests me more on this movie than probably everything else, because yeah. Bold to use the four by three aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Uh, it very much has that home movie quality. The grain is just right, and the, the intimate nature of the quote unquote. I'll just say the situation. It's not a plot or a story, just the situation. It it does yeah. call. For I think an intimate I will say this. I think he greatly benefited because I don't think this movie would. I wouldn't have loved this movie as much if it didn't. But he greatly benefited from having Casey Affleck play the ghost because Casey Affleck is one of those actors where he is so good at the subtle performance. And for a role like that, I don't think you could get away with like a Joaquin Phoenix or, you know, someone more eccentric. Uh, you need someone yeah. who can do subtlety and subtlety it's as an actor. Yeah. It is one of the hardest things to pull off, especially yeah. when you're not, your face is not seen for 80% of the movie. So yeah. I think he benefited yeah. greatly from that. I will admit some some shots in the movie. I think of Halloween when he's under the bed sheet about ready to kill that girl. It's like it's Michael. <laughs> you know Michael. he did get up the exact same way that Michael did at the end of the original Halloween. How his he's flat on the ground, but he still manages to raise his entire torso up. Look just yeah, like he's just, he's like fucking he's like a fucking robot. He just yeah. and it's like really quick too. It's not like slow. It's like well, this guy yeah. shoots up. <laughs> Yeah, like that. That, but just the uh, the simplicity of the imagery. So it's it's that one scene where he kills the, where he kills the, he kills one of the babysitters. He has a bedsheet over his head because his boyfriend played a prank on on her. Uh, yeah, it's just this. It's just that whole idea of the simplistic imagery being retooled for its own purpose. Well, it, so you know, I think a thing about that too is something you notice as years go by especially with big Hollywood movies, they try so hard to be complicated and it yeah. ends up ruining the movie. Like, man, there's just so many movies I've seen that were so confusing. And you're just like, this would have been so much better if you didn't try to be intentionally try to be a genius, if that makes any sense. And yeah. a simple story can be done so good. Yeah. So I'm glad I was a little worried that this movie might've been complicated when I first started it. Uh, yeah. So I was so it's, happy they didn't go that route. Yeah, yeah, it's not complicated, yeah. but it asks a lot of questions it does. and follows through with experimental imagery and an, and a final yeah. act that felt like a 2001 space odyssey. Oh yeah, you know I uh, read too. Uh, the reason he chose to do the uh, ra- 
uh, shoot by the four by three format was um, to give the sense that the ghost was boxed in, kind of like how he is that whole time. He's really like well, there you go. Sit that right. one part. Yeah. So there's some nice, there's some really nice directing choices in this movie. Yeah, I, I. And then you have, and then you have four minute monologues that trail off like Joaquin Phoenix's Oscar speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do. I, well, credit credit to Joaquin, he did bring it back at the end, but you I, you're kind of left wondering what the fuck, man. I mean, yeah, at I, least it was for I, a good thing. It was, yeah. yeah. I think, but this movie the, uh, is, is definitely below because he had me with Beethoven, like if. He, like oh they remember that they leave, you leave your mark on history you eventually remember it and so forth and then he goes off with the apocalypse happens the aliens take mm-hmm. over the society breaks down and yeah just thinking, dude what what are you smoking can I have some <laughs> yeah so yeah, it was it's just uh, it's a great movie in my opinion um I do see flaws I, with it but uh for me like my personal taste always go to like you know. I love gritty movies, but I also love movies that ask really serious questions. Because um, at the end of the day, we are creators. We are artists. And our job is to make art that has something to say. Because don't get me wrong. I love a good, like, you know, stupid action movie. They're fun to watch. But they don't tell you anything. I like walking away from a movie that makes you question a Debatable. lot of things. Debatable. Yeah. Great action movies. can. There can be great action movies. I guess I should be more specific with that. I mean more like, you know... The run-of-the-mill superhero movie. Not like The Dark Knight, but something like Ant-Man. Ant-Man's not asking you any questions. And I don't get me wrong, I love it, but there's nothing deep about those movies. Uh, but they can still yeah. be made well, well. Okay, yeah, this movie asks questions. But then you mentioned the whole boxed-in feeling. So, yeah, kind of hard to feel boxed-in when he's jumping off a skyscraper and when he's time-traveling to 200 years in the past. Yeah, that's a good point. So kind of an inconsistency. I mean, I there. think the point of being boxed in is he's in different locations, but it's in the same spot in the planet the entire time. Oh, of course, yeah. But the scope of it, yeah. the visual scope of the movie, it's you figure there'd be some consistency there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a perfect movie by any means. Yeah, uh, I was about. I was just gonna say this. I know it sounds it, like it, I'm praising def- it, like it's you know the Holy Grail movies. Oh, I'm not, yeah. I don't doubt. I don't doubt you got problems with it. I'm just. Saying this is very much a personal taste movie. Mm-hmm. You either you're gonna watch five minutes of this film. No, actually, you're gonna watch up until the title card comes up, I'll and you're gonna wonder if you want to keep watching this movie. I'll say this for anyone that goes and watches this movie after listening to this: if you can make it past the Pisces, then I think you'll end up liking it. But if you can't get through that Pisces, then it's probably not for you. Man, of all the internet challenges out there, why isn't there a ghost story pie? I don't know. We need to make that. Start flooding Instagram and make it a challenge. All right, watch the pie scene from Ghost Story and see if you want to keep watching this or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Jesus. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, en- I enjoy. I, I really like this movie, and I, I, I uh, the more, the more that I think about it, the more I want to watch it, and 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 all of that. Yeah. But I just honestly, I, I think can... I'm gonna watch it probably later because now i want to watch it again after talking about it yeah i'm probably not gonna watch this movie again yeah it's i can only i i admire it more than i i only i only admire it i admire it like a museum display but the difference is I'd you appreciate it for what it is yeah, yeah but the difference is i'd rather see a museum display yeah again. i get because <laughs> when movies get this what the fuck kind of levels it kind of turns me off 
at the thought of watching him again, unless it's something I'm really into, like 2001 A Space Odyssey. That felt like my brand of experimentation because it paid off. It innovated this it innovated the film industry and innovated, yeah. innovated cinematic sci-fi this movie it's just yeah. another a24 art house experiment well, let's be real too david lowry is not stanley kubrick so that's, that's literally like co- comparing right. in terms of directors that's like comparing michael bay to martin scorsese now it's just totally different worlds well of course i'm well aware yeah. of that just again again i'm going back to it's a person it's a personal taste oh god yeah. it's, it's gonna you're you're gonna watch it for a couple minutes, maybe a couple seconds, and you're gonna wonder if it's for you or not. Unlike some movies that are just instantly for people. Yeah, those kind of movies don't come around too often, but when they do, they're awesome. His house gets torn down. Okay, I did like the part where the house gets torn down. Oh, uh, the part with that other ghost broke my heart. Oh yeah, the other yeah. ghost was. Yeah, we, yeah, I think we went this whole time without mentioning that ghost, did we? Yeah, I don't think I don't think we've brought it up. You mentioned it once. You mentioned it once. Yeah, okay. Let's movie. talk about that ghost before we stop talking about this movie because that is the most depressing character I've ever seen. Yeah, it's pretty sad. He's he's up there. Yeah, I there's think, a one part I, where he thinks he hears his uh his partner in life, whoever it was they were waiting for, and he goes, "I thought you were." Oh, never mind. I never knew subtitles in a bedsheet could be so heartbreaking. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> it's it's kind of funny how the bedsheet ghosts have their own language. Yeah. Ghostanese. That's definitely it's, an experimental part right there. It's telepathic. It's telepathic. Ghosts have telepathy. Sure, yeah. as much as they have time traveling that's abilities. What that's that's what <laughs> it, my mom just no, woke by tele- it. it was stupid. <laughs> I uh, that was kind of funny. I think that so that's a that's a half star out of five for my mother. <laughs> I but anyways, um, I I I do think that the. Uh, I, I think the other ghost is really important to to the movie itself because it shows sure. it shows the uh, the when you when you first deny the access to the light, it's because you're you're waiting for something or you're you're you know something hasn't happened yet. And I think the uh, when they tear the houses, the when they tear both of the houses down, and uh, and um. You know, the other ghost says, mm-hmm. "I don't think they're coming," and then he—I think the other ghost says, "I don't know." One of them fucking says, "Uh, I don't think they're yeah, coming." The, the other, go- the neighbor ghost, and then it just the neighbor ghost. It just turns. It just it just turns down, and it just turns into a sheet. Yeah, and then I think props to the uh, props to the special effects department at least because they did all again low budget. You can do everything in camera or use editing tricks. Um. When they tear down the house, the staging of that, and when the ghosts disappear, those are those are very cool effects. Yeah, I uh, actually read because um, I do research on almost every movie I see, but uh, I read mm-hmm. that um, the reason they chose that house is because it was scheduled to be demolished. So, and it fit in their budget; it was extremely cheap. So they just decided, oh, we'll just go oh. with this. And then they basically told the demo crew, "Hey, can we have cameras going by the way and have this guy in a bed sheet when?" Uh, you guys tear it down and there it's like uh okay so it's an interesting yeah, little uh, thing right there that's uh called uh, that's called being resourceful yeah i i think tell them your student filmmakers i think the uh the the aspect of of the ghost um like kind of kind of accepting its fate i think that made that very clear at the end of the movie 
um, when yeah. when he finally turns into just nothing, when he accepts his fate and he goes once he reads the letter. He, I don't know. Yeah. He pieces out Obi Wan Kenobi style. Do we do we ever know what's written on the thing? Uh, actually, nope. I believe I think I saw what was written on it. Um, well, basically, I, I to sum it up, I don't remember word for word, but it essentially said like. I'm keeping this note you here with this house because this house is what you treasured. So essentially, I guess what I got from it, and I'm still haven't fully processed it the right way. But what she did by doing that was you cared about this house more than me. And that's why he stuck around all those years. But once oh. he was spit with the whole card truth, that's I when he decided to go. I didn't take that at all. That wasn't at all how I took that. I took it as I didn't see shit and he disappeared. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, also, fine. The note was really, it was like the size of a fortune, like in a fortune cookie. So I don't know if, how she I think it was written on a fortune cookie. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> uh, ripped out of a diary page. But like, it was, it was, I, I wouldn't, if that's, if, if that's how you're taking, you're, you're taking the, the, taking it, then that's, that's on you. But yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't see that at all. I don't know what it said, but, that definitely feels more negative than uh, than positive. I mean, I think she's not. I don't think she's mad at him anymore because he's been dead. But I think, you know, I think something. It. it I don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I don't think it's. I if if it is that and that is the reason why, then I'm gonna like this significantly less. I say that... this ending of the movie is confusing. That's just like yeah. an interpretation I got, but you know. And Things also, also will change as it, time goes on. Now, what you just read, is that concrete? No, that's why I said I'm not even sure if that's the real reason. That's just the best okay, I could find from doing a little research. But the movie yeah, is not clear at all on the end. No, ambiguity rules here. Yeah, Something like that would definitely be way out of touch. I would like to – I tried to find an interview with the director about that scene and, uh, you know – He's just one of those guys where he pretty much refused to answer it. So it's yeah, whatever so, you yeah, think. I yeah. found uh, I found what he said about it, and uh, he's talking to to a Hollywood reporter, and he says, uh, "None of us know what it said." I looked at the footage, and you can't mm-hmm. see it. And Rooney says she doesn't remember. I'm sure she knows and isn't going to say. And Casey has no idea what the sheet he could barely see through. Uh, laughs Lowry. Okay. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It could be something completely goofy. We always joke that it just said "boo." <laughs> where'd you find that well, interview at man uh i just i just looked up, i just looked up uh fucking note a ghost story and it was the very first thing hollywood reporter mm-hmm. and, you know that does answer one question casey affleck was under the bed sheet the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Oh, yeah no there's an interview with him on like jimmy kimmel he confirms he was under the bed sheet yeah. You think you figure they would get a body double or a mime or I something. mean, you know, if they only had a hundred grand to play with, man, he must have not charged that much to be in this movie. It could have been much because they weren't on screen for very long. Yeah. Yeah, actually it'd be interesting to see how long we know he I know he's in the sheet at least for a majority of the movie, but it'd be interesting to see how much screen time him and her face actually have in the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Do we, I don't think I, I got I, much. I said everything I wanted to say. Yeah, me too. Music's melancholy. It's a very trippy experience. I wanted to hug something. <laughs> I wanted to feel good afterwards. Yeah. 
I just I will let you know. Does this movie just, put, uh, put me into good? I just bought this movie four hat. Just now, I just bought an A twenty four hat. Just like so as we're speaking, you just bought an A twenty four hat. Yep. Lit. <laughs> I <wore Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> I when they had a fucking hipsters had a midsummer hipster one. filmmakers yeah exactly they had a midsummer one that was like super like embroidered with like flowers and stuff but that oh, sold out boy. super quick what about an uncut gems neon colored no. a24 hat no none of that they should this one's white and it has a uh, and the the logo is like colorful and then on the back it says it looks to be like corduroy um mm. but on the back yeah, yeah. It says A24 Films LLC. So, yeah. But well, now we're talking about corduroy and hats. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's get on to ratings. <laughs> let's get into ratings. I'll lead us off here. A ghost story is two and a half demolished houses out of five. Jeez. I can appreciate. I can appreciate a lot of qualities in this movie, but again, it's a personal preference. It's art house experimentation. A lot of things I question more than I get immersed in. And I don't see myself revisiting anytime soon, but I wish good on people that get enjoyment out of it. Um, I'm uh, I'm giving it uh, I'm giving it four Casey Afflecks out of five. I uh, wow. I I really enjoyed it, and I'm enjoying it more talking about it. I think that the only problem for me is uh, it, it kind of it tends to drag on in some scenes. Uh, oh, it does, and, yeah, and especially with uh, uh especially with with no with very little dialogue it gets kind of uh i have severe adhd so like i'm like jesus christ let's get the fucking ball moving but uh i can (laughs) i can still appreciate this and i and i still thoroughly enjoy it um and uh yeah i I would give it i would give it four uh casey affleck's out of uh, out of five yeah um you know i'm chase i think i'm pretty close with you um i absolutely love this movie i know it's not for everyone uh it's just my personal taste uh i did have issues like we've all discussed over and over you know there's shots that do just drag too long and um the ending is a little confusing and i'm sure it's meant to be that way but you know it just i feel like the movie was great i just feel like the ending was just it didn't end quite how i would have liked it to but you know it's not my movie but overall, you know, I loved it. You know, it's visual storytelling. You know, that's one reason I became a filmmaker is to tell stories visually. And there just happens to be dialogue most of the time. Uh, well, you say that's interesting. You say it's not your movie. You're also the guy watching it. So you should get something out of it. You know, I mean, that's true. It's all I. it's one of those movies to me where a lot of stuff is left to interpretation because mm. of nothing is straight up said in this movie because pretty much nothing is said actually yeah. at all. So. Yeah. yeah uh, even the even the even the pie flavors up to interpretation. Yeah. So overall, though, um, I still loved it. Uh, I'll probably revisit it pretty soon. Um, that'll probably be my third time watching it. Uh, just to see if I can get any more solid ideas from it. So, uh, I'm debating between four and four and a half. But uh, I think as of right now, I'm gonna stick with uh, I'm gonna give it four pecan pies out of five. Oh, it's pecan pie. Okay, I think it was. I have to go back and see. Look like that was blackberry. Oh, yeah, I thought I, I, it doesn't. It was pie, and it was and it you know, too It was pie, too fucking long. I just wish I was the one eating the pie. To be honest, 
No, I might. I might have to go yeah. to. It's starting to be. It's you know, fall is in is in fucking two days, boys. So that means. Wow. That means a uh, pumpkin Good pie Lord. and pecan pie season. Chase, we got to have pie oh. at our next editing session. I'll probably have some. I'm thinking about going. Costco has some great pumpkin pies. So. I think I'm about to head to a bakery too to get something. Not gonna lie. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, um, I think once we got to that pie scene, I just, I just said, no wonder my college friends love this shit. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, I can, I can see how how people would would absolutely love this movie. Like, I absolutely can see that. Um, but I can also see like like yeah. Nick. I can, I can see how you'd be like. This is super not for me. <laughs> like, and, yeah, I mean, I I am a casual. I would consider myself a casual filmmaker, but I could still go in depth. You guys have, as you guys have, yeah, seen from experience. Yeah, yeah I think, but there's a line. I, I there's a line I draw. Yeah, where it just gets too weird. I think this movie's biggest <laughs> yeah. weakness is for the average uh, audience. It's too boring. I think that's its biggest weakness. Yeah, it's it's art house experimental but filmmaking. I don't think it was made for the average audience. No. So I think it was made for other creatives, you know, just people who want to experience something. But like you yeah. said about Nick, I totally understand that. It's just not yeah, your I, personal preference. And, you know, that's fine. Yeah, I just want to go watch a John Woo movie after this. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I, was like, I need to watch something fucking not like this i need not to, uh, i have a movie <laughs> ther- marathon to do after this ironically one. enough i put on fucking danny phantom yes <laughs> danny phantom's on hulu now for people who have hulu danny. oh my god yes um but i put on danny phantom and it was funny because it was literally right after i had finished ghost story <laughs> yeah it's uh, like exciting <laughs> after this uh i'm gonna go uh, watch uh lord of the rings so i gotta catch up to do yeah, I still got movies borrowed from friends. I need to watch. I gotta watch "Bullet in the Head" by John Woo. So there you go. Yeah, but um, yeah. okay, but I think that I think that about wraps us up, boys. Yeah, that about, that about covers it. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I had a, a lot of fun doing this today, and you know, if you ever want me to come back, be happy to. This was great talking movies, yeah, yeah, bullshitting. Yeah. It's what I love. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Why and don't you also, uh, chase? Why don't Joe? Why don't you let us know where we can find you on uh on where can we find you? Uh, yeah, you can where, find where, me. Where can we where, where can we stay up to date on on the movie that we're making? Oh well, to everyone that wants to know that, uh, pretty soon here I'm going to make a dedicated YouTube channel where uh, I'll pr- produce content for it, but also make updates for the uh, uh for the film uh, Tears of Love and Death. But in the meantime, until that's uh done. You can uh, follow me on Instagram, where uh, very soon I will be posting a lot of updates. Um, we'll be making an update video here soon. Uh, my Instagram is at 206cinema, so it's 206 and then cinema. Uh, no spaces or underscores or anything. And uh, you can also go there and find links to my old student films I made before I have ventured into a straight-up short film. Uh, and you can almost oh, see yeah. my progression from... Uh, high school to now on there so it's a little bit of a joe mason history on there so those early years they they matter, they matter so a lot much. okay to any young filmmaker who's still in high school or just deciding they want to make movies the advice i'll give you right now is it's really what nike said go do it uh get yourself a camera get yourself get your friends together you know go make films and even if they're not good 
that first film that you're going to make, that $5 movie is going to lead to a $100 movie, which is going to lead to a $1,000 movie, and so on and so on. And you're just going to get better and better. So that's a tip I'd like to give young filmmakers out there. That's right. Yeah, just don't let your dreams be dreams, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Do it! Uh, yesterday. <laughs> but yes. Oh, my God. So you guys can find us. Uh, make sure you're following and everything. You can find us on Spotify, on on Apple, uh, on Amazon Pod. Podcasts and uh we're also on uh, podbean google play like we're, we're on youtube just make sure you're following just do yourself a favor make sure you're following because you want to be up to date i mean after this week we're diving into our into our horror film uh october our spook yes. horror films so each week we're going to be putting out a video and that's the most we've done in a while so please make sure you're watching it so that we don't just waste our fucking time nick mm-hmm. Me. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I, I I shouted Nick out. But still, fucking calling me out, bro. Make sure give me your address. Make sure let's, let's make something of it. Make sure you're following. Make sure you're you're subscribed. Whatever. Just you know, interact with our Instagram at uh, at reviews from the West, and just you know, come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we had questions last week. We're gonna be doing a shitload of questions uh, next month because of Halloween um, and Spooktober. My birthday. My birthday is in October, oh, yeah. so it's a really exciting month for me. Um, and uh, yeah, just just let us know. Come come find us. Come chat with us. Please send us uh, stuff. Victor's not here, but um, that's okay because I'm stealing his job. He's with yes. I'd love to uh, yeah. get on an episode with Victor and hear some of his opinions too. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We'll definitely have you back on, Joe. Perfect. You guys rock. You heard it here first, folks. So we will catch you in the next episode yeah pretty much it see ya